Friday, May 1st, 2020. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, welcome back to the podcast. If you're keeping track, this is day 47 of the Oregon coronavirus quarantine. I'm hoping you're staying safe, sane, healthy, creative. Hopefully you're looking outdoors and seeing that spring is certainly here. At least in the southeast, the skies are blue, the birds are chirping. It's spring. And looking at the river app that I have on my phone, the rivers in the Pacific Northwest that I just love at this time of year, the Lower Deschutes, the John Day, the Grand Ron, the Owahi, the Metau, the Wenatchee, they're all flowing. Unfortunately, private trips and commercial trips alike are canned. Still, access to the river is prohibited because of the quarantine. In this episode, we're talking to a commercial outfitter, Tim Thornton, who runs River Drifters based in Maupin on the Lower Deschutes and also the White Salmon in Washington. He is the quintessential rafting guide slash businessman. He knows how to play, he enjoys the outdoors, and he runs his business really well. So I've been curious to see what his predictions for the summer are with corona restrictions in place add his enthusiasm with river paddleboarding, we have a show. He's probably one of the better river paddleboarders I know. I've had the fortune to paddle with him on his backyard river on the Hood River, as well as on the Lower Deschutes, and for a quick moment in Patagonia a few years ago. I was doing my thing, and uh, he was traveling with his lady, and we were able to meet on a really fun section of the Patraway River in northern Patagonia. Without further ado, here's Tim Thornton. Tim Thornton, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm introducing my audience to you because I think you are a fantastic river enthusiast. You're a steward, you're a business person, you're a fly fisherman, you're a boater. Sure. And and don't be shocked, I'm really going to introduce you as one of the better river paddleboarders I know, and certainly one of the, the better paddleboarders that uh, don't really focus on the social media side of it. So, you, I mean, you paddle for paddle. That's 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 kind of how I see you, and I'm I'm really impressed by that. Is that kind of an accurate description? I mean, you, you're not out seeking fame or glory or anything. You just are a paddler. Is that true? Yeah, not at all. Um, I yeah, it's that's that's something that's that's not that's not in my persona. I don't have the time. I don't have the desire for that. Uh, I love just what paddling is and paddle sports and just being on the river for sure. Introduce yourself to my audience, if you would. Uh, my name is Tim Thornton. Um, I grew up in, in Bend, Oregon, and uh, I've been I've been a big whitewater fan since I was 15 when I got into guiding commercially rafting, um, and and um, and really kind of took off my my love for for the river uh, and and for just the whitewater as in general um, at at a very young age. So um, it's been it's been many many years uh, that that I've been on the river. And you're in Hood River now, is that correct? I'm in Hood River. So yeah, I bounce back and forth between Hood River and Maupin, uh, both. The first time we paddled a few years ago, a handful of years ago now, uh, I thought I was all that, like, oh, I'm a river paddleboarder, so I'm going to go meet these guys in, in Hood River. And I learned really quickly that uh, I wasn't at all what I thought I was, but the, the group that you're with in Hood River was amazing. We did the D to Tucker 
section of the Hood River, and I spent it all upside down. And every time my head came out of the water, you were playing in waves and with a big smile on your face, and I think completely staying dry. So uh, that that paddle was uh, informative for me. So you know, the the Hood River is one of those test piece rivers, and that's 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 your backyard. But mopping, what do you do in mopping? So in Maupin, I have a, a rafting business that operates in, in Maupin and White Salmon and a few other areas as well. But this is where kind of our base of operations. So I, I spend my summers down here uh, and on the Deschutes, which is the lower Deschutes, which is a great river to, uh, to paddleboard on. And there's some, some great waves. It's, it's nice and friendly, uh, warmer water, warmer weather, and, and basically a, a great place to, to, to hang the hat for the summer. Mostly raft guiding for you. You own a, a rafting outfitter there, and what yes. about paddleboarding though? Yes. So, well, we do some paddleboard trips. It, it hasn't been a primary focus, just because the the it, it is a very niche market, as everybody will will understand. And and um, with the the people that come to Maupin, uh, it, it is not like having it in Hood River or having it in Vale or having it in Moab, where you've got a town center and a run going through that town so this is a more destination place where you'd have to pull people to and and so it, it really has a primary niche versus the families and kids and uh folks that will take rafting as as a primary focus uh so but we have done some paddleboard trips um in the current situation of things we will start offering more because it is a perfect activity to to do while doing social distancing and as an outfitter, how is it to to outfit paddleboard trips? Your your overnights are raft support. I've always thought that that a paddleboard is a great independent vehicle. You could kind of do your own thing with it. But if you have to manage people, how what are the logistics of managing a group of people on paddleboards of various skills? What's your experience with that? Well, it presents a whole different uh, challenge. Um, I used to guide snowmobile trips as well. And, and that was a very challenging, um, a challenging job because you have people behind you that you tell what to do and you try to corral people and, and inevitably people are going to be going off in one way or another. And paddleboarding is the exact same thing where we've done a few trips where we've had groups of six or eight and we've had th say three guides and, and somebody either catches an eddy or or gets get you know goes for a swim or we've had someone that that a big gust of wind actually took them over to the bank and you know uh to where we had to go kind of uh corral people which which presents a problem and that's that's one of the harder things too on the deschutes is it does get windy uh which which brings another element to the table of of difficulty of of, of a group is it easier to i mean what's the difference between an ik an inflatable kayak and a paddleboard for for group management I think they're very similar. Uh, paddle, paddle boards, I, I think, are are nice because you have that leash aspect, um, and you can you can quickly get the the board back to the person quickly. Uh, an IK, someone can take a swim, and they can get separated from their their IK and their uh, and their paddle as well uh, very quickly. But if you do have raft support, you can go uh, help. Um, one of the the, the hindering uh, areas, though, is is if if rafts are pulling over at a, at a surf spot, at a play spot, and either an, uh, someone in an IK or a, a, a paddleboard misses one of those, then you have to go chasing after them. Yeah, I could understand why raft guides prefer just to have people in their boat. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to have your, you know, your, your clients all in one spot and well corralled. I definitely get that. And Maupin, I think, offers some of the best river paddleboarding opportunities. Uh, you have 
fast moving class one, class two sections. You have some really fun, playful class three rapids. You have the opportunity to do multi-day trips. The first time actually I paddleboard on the lower Deschutes, I did the entire 100 mile section in 16 hours and I was, I was absolutely hooked. I mean, I swam through everything. I mean, everything. Uh, the, my, my support, my support on shore when I got to mop in was taking photos and, you know, the board was upside down through Wapanisha and, you know, I was on my knees through boxcar, but I, I was able to stay dry through boxcar. So I thought that was fantastic. I, I portaged, uh, Oak Springs and, and, and things like that, but I, I was like, oh, I need to, to do this thing and, and, and river touring has been my, my thing for uh, a handful of years. How did you get into standing up on rivers? How did you get into paddleboarding on rivers? I started stand-up as, as basically kind of a rejuvenation of, of the river sports for me. I, my, my background would be primarily in, in uh, whitewater kayaking as well. Uh, I've been doing that since the age of 16. And uh, I, I think just like you, how you had, have bounced around between sports that you were heavily concentrated on um, for a number of years. Mine was paddling um, for, for years. Uh, but it was really playboating or paddling class five. And, and so you're always looking for that perfect wave or the perfect play spot at the perfect levels or that perfect class five run. And, and the more and more that you seek these things, the lesser or more elusive that they become. And, and so rather than chasing something that, that, was, that was harder and harder to catch, you, you do get some fatigue or some burnout um, on it. And, and my body was burning out too. I, I definitely went through a, a period of, of some some pretty bad low back um, mm. problems um, from play boating and being squished into a boat and, and, and putting everything on your spine as well as rafting and everything else. Whereas SUP was something that you started doing on class two, class three, and it opens up everything. There were runs that I would never have considered on a kayak because I was looking for something different to where I went out on a SUP and had the time of my life. And it was so much fun. And, and I love learning. And mm -hmm. it was so much fun with a with a snowboarding background and a skateboarding background to to take a board sport, with co combo that with the whitewater background and kayaking and rafting, and and go on on a board. And I started that probably in 2012, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 loved it ever since. I mean, those those first class one runs in moving water when you are just squirming around like a you know a fish on a board trying to just keep your balance. Uh, and just having so much fun and falling in every bit of, uh, of an eddy line or moving water. I mean, I was hooked right off the bat. It was like the, from the, from the very first run, it was like, Oh, I'm, I know what I'm doing tomorrow and I know what I'm doing the next day. And, 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 uh, it, you know, it, it, it took off from there. And we have a, a mutual friend in the Hood River area, also an outfitter colleague of yours, Zach Collier. And he was telling me, you know, some of the early days where you two were, were paddling, having no idea what was possible on Hood River on a board. Yes, you had, you know, run it millions of times in a variety of, of boats, but can you do it on, on a water? What type of water level? What water level is better? Uh, tell me about those early days of, of you experimenting on a board with Hood River. <laughs> The, and the lower hood that we would paddle because that's a that's a backyard run. I had only done that in my kayak maybe two or three times oh. uh, be before I started supping it uh, because it was kind of a it was a run that was that was just not that intriguing in a kayak or it had to be mm. like flood stage for 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 some good play or something. So when we started paddling it uh, on sups, it was it was it was almost like going back to a run that I hadn't done in years and something I hadn't done very much at all. And it was so much fun. And we started out at, at, at very kind of medium water levels. You, for supping, you definitely want that deeper water for, 
for falling, especially, you know, on the hood that can be shallow. Uh, and we just kept kind of pushing how much higher would it be at, at five feet? Would six feet go? Would seven feet? And then it would just keep going up and everything went on a, on a sup. And we had definitely had some uh, days that, that, uh, just like you described where, you know, we spent more time swimming than actually on the board, but, <laughs> but we learned so quickly, uh, as well, what, what you could actually do on a sup and, and you can actually have so much more balance than people would think. And I, I think, um, uh, I've, I've done a lot of runs with Zach, uh, and, and with kayakers that would always come with us. And, and most of them would be scratching our heads or scratching their heads when they would meet us at the takeout uh, to run shuttle. They're like, oh, what are these guys doing on these? You know, I, we're going to, we can't wait to watch this spectacle. And they would be <laughs> shocked at the end. I mean, I've, I've heard almost every kayaker just like, wow, I can't believe you guys just did that. And, and I mean, yet we were doing this every day, but uh, yeah, we definitely changed a lot of people's perspectives on paddling uh, just by, by going with kayakers at the same time. The, the Hood River, I consider a test piece river for a river paddleboard. Big water and creaky water. It's bony. Uh, there are moves you have to make in the middle of a rapid. Yeah, it's considered class three. I think some class three plus, depending on, on the water levels, but it's constant. It's active. There's navigation skills requirement. There's, uh, you know, eddies that you have to catch in the middle of the river to, to keep the pacing for the group. It's a test piece river. Um, I think about five feet is the, the, the great level for me. Uh, what's, what's the, what's the sweet spot for you? What's the best level for running the hood river on a board in your opinion? I think it depends on the section that you're doing. Um, five feet used to be five or five, five used to be just a great level, but I really like that six to seven foot level. And I mm -hmm. do like doing the lower at as high as it can go. I mean, at, you know, within um, respect, I mean, we've done it at Brown water and, and at flood stage and it's great. <laughs> and we've done that. We've done the D to Tucker at, at, at higher levels too. And, and it just, it gives you much more cushion than some of that boniness, but but you're right. There are so many rapids and there are so many moves packed into one run. I think that it's the most bang for your buck type of a run that you can possibly find. And, you know, doing those with Zach and then also Gavir that was in Hood River mm -hmm. whenever he was around too, uh, you know, kind of really opened our eyes to different moves that you could do, how you, you could run different rapids and different flows. And, um, you know, Dan is kind of the, the godfather of the area of, 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 of SUP and, um, he definitely showed us, you know, uh, certain runs, certain levels and things like that, that you could do, uh, as well. And, and just as a river system as a whole, just like you said, there are, there is so much to that whole system, especially when we started to do say the West Fork, uh, as well, which is another just beautiful run that people didn't think that would be able, you'd be able to do on a sup and, and it is suppable, uh, within a few, you know, you gotta be careful on a few areas, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And that it definitely kind of pushes the, the upper end of, of what's possible on a sub. And be honest, are you the only one that's run that West Fork on a board? No, no, not at all. Uh, I think Ryan uh, Alexander has. Okay. Uh, and, and I believe, I, I'm sure Gavir has uh, as well. So yeah, both of those guys, I, I'm sure. And and possibly even Kobe. I'm not sure if Kobe has, has done that either. Kobe Bach, shout it out to you. I don't think Kobe has. Uh, I don't think there's a waterfall big enough in there, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He can, he can uh, fire a punch bowl at the bottom, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And oh, some of the the YouTube videos that Dan has at punch bowl is hilarious uh, yeah. with glass boards and fins and, and and all of that. That's funny. And uh, if, if my audience hasn't paddled the Hood River, they won't know that at over five feet, which is my sweet spot uh, level, you know, at the seven and eight feet that you were talking about, 
it's not just big water. You're actually listening to boulders shifting below your feet. <laughs> and you can't see them. It's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real deal river. And when I went with you that first time, you know, like I said, I was upside down for most of it. But every time I was watching you, you were just playing and, you know, boofing over stuff. And, you know, Zach would be, you know, sliding over rocks, very playful. And I was just there for survival. So you, you have to know the lines and you have to have confidence in your skill set. And so the test piece and then right across the gorge in, in White Salmon, I think that the, the middle and the lower sections of the White Salmon are just amazing test piece rivers. Because you're not in the social media, you're not in the team things. Um, I've seen you paddle on a, diff a variety of different inflatable paddle boards. What makes a good board for you? What makes good gear for you? I, th I think supping is so situationally specific uh, for, for a board because certain boards will perform better at certain, at, at certain for, for basically certain uses, whether you're using it for downriver or whether you're using it for flat water paddle or whether you're using it for, for surfing. Um, th I, I think that that's something that um, the, really the, the future for SUP will be how good boards can be and, and more broader uses because even, you know, the bad fish brands and the hollow brands and, and uh, brands that are very specific for boards for park and play and different waves and, and downriver and things like that. Um, I, I think finding that one board is, is, is really kind of hard that fits all. So I, I do like, you know, one board for downriver, uh, and then I will definitely transition to different boards at certain levels for, for, for certain play and, and surf spots. Mm -hmm. In Maupin, whenever I'm paddling there and I've, I've hosted some clinics there, if I see any paddle boarders, they're usually raft guides from river drifters, your company. <laughs> who have borrowed boards from you and are just sending it, just trying things and, you know, swimming and laughing and, and playing. And Xi'an, one of your, your lead guides, he's out there at uh, Surf City, surfing on a regular basis almost every time lately that I've been in Mop. And he's been out there just with a big smile on his face and his dog and just having a surf session all by himself. How influential do you think you are in getting your raft guides out on the river? You have boards, they take it. Like, what do you think your influence on the industry is? I don't think I have an influence on the industry, but I think I have an influence maybe in the area and it's having gear available. Uh, I think that that supping is something that, that you know, these people would never have tried if, the, if these weren't available. And mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to, to for people to, to make them available to me uh, in quantities sometimes. So uh, that really helped me get Xion into it and get to get a couple others. And there's a few others in town that that sup as well on a regular basis, but nobody does as much as Xion and he's mm -hmm. absolutely hooked. And, uh, I mean, he's, he goes daily and that's almost mm -hmm. year round. He's, he's down there surfing. It doesn't matter if it's a December 10th, uh, he'll find an hour in the day to, to go down there for, for a quick little surf. So I think that's fantastic. And the more people that, that I can introduce to, you know, any positive outdoor experience, whether it's, you know, uh, rafting, kayaking or supping, you know, I think is just fantastic because people don't realize what they have in their uh, in their own backyard, wherever they are. So uh, that's that's I think that's been a fantastic thing to, to see the folks that that took it and, and that are actually paddling on a consistent basis. When you're ordering gear um, as an outfitter. Uh, there are some brands that have uh, an easy order form, like NRS. Like, oh, I could order my raft, I could order my paddles, I could order these shoes, and I could order the board. Making boards available on a single order list, does that, uh, does that give you incentive to buy anything in particular? 
Well, definitely for, for gear, I guess, and going back to, to a question you just asked, was what makes certain gear that I want uh, desirable? And, and basically, it's durability. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't go into certain brands on being this being durable, that uh, mm -hmm. not being durable, but, but something that can take a beating over and over and over. And there's brands that definitely have the quality of the gear that can take that beating. And there's definitely the ones that, that you can only, that are almost disposable. It seems like, you know, with paddles and things like that, that, that aren't that, that much, but um, I mean, a one-stop shop is nice, but I, I think the best gear are probably made by different companies. So you would have to order or procure, you know, one item in one location, one item in another. And that's not the best answer, but for me, I want the most durable, tough piece of gear that you can, that you can have, not only for personal use, but also for client use as well. Sure. Totally makes sense. And speaking of gear and ordering gear with COVID, I think it's been really made clear that over 90% of the outdoor industry is manufactured in China. How, how do you think this season's going to be? Are you going to be able to get the gear you need? And is there actually even going to be a commercial rafting season in the Western United States? Well, I think that's a big question. And that, and, and basically we're, we're sitting and waiting and watching uh, what's happening in, uh, for the states that have opened up. So in the Southeast, you know, uh, how things are going to um, happen there. But uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, we're fully um, prepared and ready to, to reopen. We, we had already started doing trips before shutdown. Um, I, think that we'll be able to operate this summer uh, in a changed format. I mean, things will be changed, you know, for the next couple of years and, and possibly forever on some things. Uh, gear wise, we have all the gear that we need. Uh, we're going to have to change some some washing and some rotation of, of gear. So things aren't going from one person to another after a wash, you know, they'll have to sit out for um, X amount of hours or two or three days in between uses or cycles after uh, they are washed and stuff. But uh, I don't, foresee us, you know, not operating, uh, at all. I mean, people want to get out, people need to get out. Uh, and it's, you know, getting out on the, on the river is, is one of the most positive things and summer highlights for a lot of people. So, um, I think it's something that is in a huge need for, uh, people's happiness. If you have a, a boat of six people all wearing masks, all COVID masks, what would you think of that? <laughs> I think that'd be a pretty scary sight. Uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm on. Most of my days are consist of of Zoom calls and Zoom meetings almost every day, and a lot of this stuff is pertaining to the exact same topic of, of preparedness and and biz, best business practices and things that we can do to operate. Um, masks, I don't think, are something that's uh, realistic on on a river. I think it's more of a liability. Um, you know, we would do more private groups, which uh, we have done, but more private groups and shuttling the whole aspect from shuttling to in a boat to to uh, um, even at the shop and that kind of stuff. But I, I think keeping, you know, things within families, households or friend groups um, separate, you know, should be the best way to go. Sounds like you're pretty positive about, you know, this is this is an incident and you uh, you're able to, to weather the storm and. I hope that you will be. And it sounds like, you know, you, you, if anybody doesn't know River Drifters, if anybody doesn't know what you have going on in both Maupin and, and the White Salmon area, very professional outfitters who are, are quite competent to, to outlast certain storms like this. And I don't know if every outfitter in your area could say the same. So who knows what, uh, what that's going to re reveal. Last time I was with you, you had a dog. How's that dog doing? <laughs> That dog's doing great. He's uh, he's super high energy. Um, it's definitely not the uh, the the old uh, the old lab that you saw me with for for a lot of times or a lot of years. Um, mm -hmm. 
this this is a this is a new puppy with lots of energy and um, he's he's a work in progress. He's a multiple work in progress. So he's going to be a great dog. He is a great dog, but um, he. We just did our four mile hike this morning. That's a, that's a daily occurrence before we go to work. So, uh, yep, he's he gets me up and active doing all sorts of stuff. And the only reason why I bring up your your active dog is that you said that you could in in Hood River there there are fines for for being outside right now, including walking your dog. That's on a forest land or county land. There was uh, you would be committing a misdemeanor crime for doing that. Yes, because they had closed down trailheads and even just forest roads. So coming out to Maupin where there's open rangeland and basically nobody here and, and, and some ranch land that we go to as well uh, to walk on where you don't have, you know, such restrictions. Um, obviously you saw the bird dog and he needs lots of area to roam and run. So yeah, Hood River was, was under those uh, restrictions and, and they just uh, lifted those yesterday, oh, oh. Uh, like in Post Canyon to Hood River residents only. You can't park there. You've got to bike or run or walk to those areas. Things are opening up and I'm um, in the Southeast. I'm in Tennessee right now where I've been for over a little, uh, little over a week, and it seems like not necessarily business is normal, but uh, social is normal. Southern hospitality is in full effect. I'm here for a family emergency and, and the outpouring of love and people bringing food every day and uh, providing things without masks or gloves or social distancing. Wherever you are, you know, information is important, and, and, and uh, folks here are getting different information than what folks in, in Hood River are getting. I think that's I think that's that's really fascinating. But hopefully, the the, the COVID thing is uh, getting more into the past tense. And tell us about the future. Give us some optimistic ball of future predictions in your hand. We're going to be wrapping up in a in a minute. Uh, tell us some positive words for the future. Well, hopefully, that's a future for out, the outdoor industry uh, question uh, because I have no idea how obviously things will shape out um, through you know for for the, the U.S. or for wherever we are. But I, I, I think that, you know, you have to be a glass half full type of a person. I think that there will be things that, uh, you know, this is A, the first pandemic that, that everyone alive should be ex experiencing. Um, you know, so there will be definitely some changes, but I think that, you know, brighter days are ahead. And I think that, uh, you know, moving forward that people might even value their experiences outside even more, um, especially mm -hmm. when they have been locked down in their houses and they mm -hmm. have been, uh, not able to move as freely as that they they were before. So next time that they go do that hike, that trail run, the paddle, the they go on a guided trip or they go on a, a camping trip or, or anything, they really can sit back, look at their environment, and and really just respect the the area that they're in. Um, I have seen more people kind of out and about in weird locations that weren't quote unquote close, and and um, so people are getting out, um, and and I think they really value getting outside. And I think that that's something that uh, is never going to obviously go away. Um, but I'm super optimistic. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the future, uh, I think will be great for, you know, the, the outdoor industry and for the value of it. Tim, thank you so much. That, uh, that was a great conversation, great insight. Uh, and you speak like you paddle, very deliberate, very, <laughs> it's a pleasure to follow the lead of, of such a, a competent individual. You are a strong business person. You're a strong paddler and I think a really good person. Paul, thank you. And if, if I could go back to, uh, to, to one story before um, when, when like Zach and I did first meet you is, is, is because I, you are one of the best promoters of the sport. And I think <laughs> that an undervalued like uh, person that has brought up 
up and in, in, in front of a lot of people. And, and, uh, I remember you were posting so much and we're like, and, and you were in Bend's. That's where I grew up and I follow a lot of people in Bend. And, and I remember before we did go do that hood over paddle, we're like, gosh, we gotta, we gotta meet this guy. Sup Paul. It's like, he's already, he's already put sup in front of his name and, and we got to meet this guy. So, so we were super excited to meet you, uh, for that run. And, you know, I, you didn't do it nearly as, 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 as bad as you're making it sound. I think your, your worst part about that run is you had fins that really hindered the, uh, that was kind of the inside secret of the run because it was shallow and rocky, but, um, hats off to you and hats off what you've done for the industry and, and bringing just not only the visibility in front of everybody, but how much variation and variety that you brought to it from going down to Baja, from doing that, that awesome trip on the East Fork of the Oahe to, you know, the, the expedition stuff that you have done uh, to doing that OPB piece with on the John Day. I mean, all that stuff just opens up the eyes for everybody. Um, and I think that it's, it's such a great vehicle to see bodies of water on a different mode of transportation at different levels than people thought were possible. And you've brought that to the forefront. So um, hats well, off you, to you and thank, thank you. you for what you've done. I look forward to being in Oregon. Let's get on the water soon. Have a great look, day, sir. Thanks, Paul.